Welcome, everybody, to the second podcast that will be traveling through the book of Genesis. I'm Scott. And I'm Brad. And this is not about us. Once again, Brad and I want to thank you so much for being a part of these Bible studies. It really means a lot to us. But of course, the only part that matters is Yahweh God. So Brad, if you could do the honors and invite him in. Absolutely. Yahweh God, we love you. We cherish you. We want to give you honor and glory. We want to invite you in here today to be our honored guest. I always say our honored guest because we can just invite you in, but we want you to be the honored guest. We want this to be about you. Yes. As always, I only want to be the tool, the mic. I want you to still the show. Scott mentioned it in a previous prayer. Toby Max, still the show, still our show. God, you are our honored guest. And I'm thrilled that we get to do another Genesis study, learning more about our origins right from you, from the source. Thank you, Yahweh. Amen. All right. So right off the bat this time, I get to start with something amazing, and that is a correction. That's right. Um, I goofed last week. Uh, I wanted to tell you about it. And, And I know I'm kind of being silly with this, but I am honestly happy that I can and do this uh, for a couple reasons. But first, let me tell you what the goof was. I spelled Breshit wrong. Uh, I told you it was Beit Resh Aleph Shin Tav. I missed Yod in the middle of that. It's actually Beit Resh Aleph Shin Yod Tav. And one of the reasons uh, that I said I'm, I'm kind of happy that this happened is because it gives me a chance to prove my sincerity when I said, for one thing, this is not about us, and we goof, Brad and I both, we're chasing, we're hunting, but there are going to be times where we get it wrong, and we can go back and acknowledge that. But the, the, the other thing that I said was, I'm after the evidence. If you, I, One of the things I said in one of my previous podcasts was, if you show me the evidence, I will come around and... This is proof of that. I am not one of those people that's going to say, well, no, I wasn't my fault or, or was... No, I goofed. Uh, don't know how I got it wrong. Uh, the information that I had uh, was, was missing Yod. And as I was looking other stuff up and I started to realize this was spelled incorrectly, I wanted to bring it to you and make sure we have the right information going forward. But another cool thing, this is an example of... Like I said, we're all wrong in some ways. When the truth is presented to us, when God comes and says, I've got the real truth, the real truth is so much better because as we went through now adding Yod, which stands for arm and hand, work or deed, adding it to the word picture, we get a, a word picture from this that's so much better the Son of God will conquer with his hands on the cross. I didn't catch that the first time. Uh, It can also mean the Son of God is destroyed by his own hand on the cross. Talking about Jesus' willing sacrifice for us, conquering sin and death through the cross right here. And as we said, Breshit, in... In Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, it says that from the uh, declaring the end from the beginning, from Breshit, the end is declared. And we didn't have this correct word picture. Accuracy is always better. What God's truth is always better than what we had when we were in error. And I hope that comes out in this correction. Always remember when something is revealed, you are revealed to be wrong. It means that what God has for you is so much better. Don't let your pride stand in the way. Humble yourself 
and say, I acknowledge my error. God, I want to move closer to you. What's cool about this to me is that we had something really cool that we discovered. But then we discovered it's even more cool than we thought. That's been my experience chasing after God. The more that is revealed, the cooler he even is. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Uh, But now we're going to dig in. And again, I'm going to get things wrong uh, as we go on. Absolutely, I'm wrong. Uh, I want this to be uh, another way. We've said it before. I hope that everything that comes from me dies a quick death. And I hope that everything that comes from the Holy Spirit through me touches your heart, plants a seed, uh, creates life within you. Amen. So Genesis 1, 1 through 3, read it again. We started it last time. In the beginning, Elohim created the heaven and the earth. Now the earth was unformed and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of Elohim hovered over the face of the waters. And Elohim said, Let there be light, and there was light. Now we got through several of those words and several of the meanings uh, of that verse last time. I'm going to continue on from where we left off. Okay, so this word darkness, uh, Strong's Concordance number 2822 uh, in English, it looks like it should be Choshek, uh, the way they spell it, but it's actually pronounced Koshek with a K. And the, the interpretation is pretty straightforward, darkness, night, obscurity. But figuratively, it also means misery, destruction, death, ignorance, sorrow, wickedness. The things you would associate with being in the darkness. But the word picture here is pretty cool. Now, it's Cheth, Sheen, and Kof. The Hebrew letters. Now, I'm not going to go over... Well, for example, cheth means tent wall, fence, separation. I'm not going to explain these every time uh, from now on because it becomes a little tedious. I I did it in the first Genesis uh, podcast, but I'm not going to do it every time. I encourage you to check them out for yourself. And I believe, Brad, were you going to put something on the website? Yeah, on the website, on the Facebook, um, I found a pretty easy chart that uh, shows the Hebrew letters and possible uh, word picture meaning. So yeah, I'll go and put that on there, make that a little easier. Also, um, the first Genesis study, I am attempting to make YouTube videos uh, for, and I've got that one up and loaded. And when Scott comes to a point in the podcast where he is talking about those letters, I will try to have them pop up on the visual as well. Great. Okay, so thank you for that, Brad. Uh, but so for that reason, because it gets a little tedious, also I'm not going to repeat what these mean every time. I'm just going to give you the Hebrew letters and move on. But a possible interpretation of this, and if you remember, I say possible because there are many to be had. This is just one that jumped out at me, is that uh, this the word picture is destroyed by the separation from the open hand. So I love this word picture for darkness, especially when you consider it also figuratively means death, ignorance. It's the the separation. You're destroyed by being separated from the open hand of Jesus reaching out to you. Oh my God, Scott, you're giving me goosebumps thinking about that. He's offering you the free gift of salvation, and death is literally the refusal to reach for it. By being separated from that, yes. Oh. Separated from an open hand. That means it's, it's not closed off. It's, it's, it's a gift. It's an offering. So that means the separation comes from us. That's, that's sad to think about, but it's true. Now, deep is the next word that I thought, uh, okay, I want to find out what that means, especially because we've already dealt with it. And the deep calls out to deep uh, for those of you who have uh, listened to the introduction. Now, this is Strong's Concordance number 8415. It's the same word that's used in Psalm 42.7, deep calls unto deep. And it's the word to home. And again, as we explained there, it's an abyss, a surging mass of water. It means deep, depth. It's an overwhelming oceanic feel. Imagine being two miles underwater, surrounded by water. That's what this word is supposed to uh, to connotate. 
Now, but we didn't go into the word picture uh, the first time. The word picture of this from Tav, He, and Mem is, again, a possible interpretation, is the covenant beholding chaos. Now, this brings me back around to Psalm 42.7. Deep cries out to deep. And I, I just, to me, what I was connecting with there is deep crying out to deep. Covenant beholding chaos. And it's, it can also be flipped. Chaos beholding the covenant. It's, it's the covenant crying out to chaos. Come here. I want, I want to connect with you. This, uh, but again, darkness calling, uh, darkness was upon the face of the deep. So we have a word picture. We're being destroyed by separation, uh, from the open hand. Darkness was upon the face of the deep covenant beholding chaos. Just a picture of being separated and God watching us in our separation just wanting to reach out to us. That means we should want to reach out to him too. God is there waiting for us with an open hand. Sorry, that thought is in my head now, <laughs> that visual. That's okay. It's heartbreaking to think that there will be many who will see the open hand and not right. reach for it. And so that's, again, it, this is the creation of the universe. But again, I'm looking for spiritual interpretations if you remember uh, if you've listened to the the first bible study i'm looking for the practical examples that god gave us in physical in physical example form of spiritual realities personal spiritual realities to each one of us and as i move on my next word was waters darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of elohim hovered over the face of the waters. And we've already had deep, which has a very watery feel to it. So now we've got this other word, waters. And I was honestly wondering why, you know, it was, darkness was upon the face of the deep with this watery feel. Why didn't God just say, and the spirit of Elohim hovered over the face of the deep? Why do we have a different word here? So I wanted to look into that. This comes from Strong's Concordance number 4325. Uh, and it is pronounced, hopefully, I'm pronouncing this correct, Mayim. Mayim. Now, for those of you who remember, an I-M ending usually means we've got a plural here. And the definition of this is it's the dual of a primitive noun, but used in a singular sense. So it's waters. It's like all of the waters, the collection of waters used as one. Uh, it's like it's many waters, but we're treating it as a singular, like they're all one. So we've got dual. We've got two types here. Is this, what is this a picture of? Again, deep calling unto deep. Do we have a picture of two different waters trying to be one? I don't know. I'm, I'm throwing it. These are the kind of things I do as I examine these. What is God telling me as I meditate? Why did God specify it in that way? Do we have, as far as a creation sense, uh, multiple water, duality of waters. Do we have earth and sky? The, the waters that are on the face of the earth uh, versus the waters that are in heaven, the rain, the, the what have you. Or is this referring to the waters in the universe? Because uh, there's plenty of water out there, you know, in comets and in the rest of the universe, uh, there's water. Is it the separation of, of that in a physical sense? Because that's the way I think about it. The earth, the, the earth water, the oceans, the seas versus rain, clouds, that kind of thing. The duality, they're all waters. It's referring to them, referring to them in a singular sense here. But again, the spiritual sense is water crying out to water to become one? Something to think about. I don't have an absolute answer. It's just something goes through my mind. The word picture here, though, I find interesting. And it keeps going back to deep calling out to deep for me. Uh, this is how it touches my heart. The word is mem yod mem. 
So mem is repeated, and mem does mean water or chaos. So water in this word, which is defined as a dual of a primitive noun used in a singular sense, we've got water repeated. And the very word means dual. So we've got water reaches for water in the word picture of this word. Did you say it also could mean chaos? It can mean chaos. So it could be chaos reaching for water? Could be chaos. It could be chaos reaching for chaos. It could be water reaching for chaos. There's many interpretations like all. This is just the one that stood out to me, but yes, it, well, it absolutely can. The reason I'm saying that is because that, maybe I'm not making the right connection here, but to me, chaos is reaching out to water, and Jesus refers to himself as, as water. As water. The water of the word. You know, so just, I'm also making a connection there that I'm the chaos. I'm Mm -hmm. now reaching out for my savior. I'm reaching out for the water that will save me from the chaos. That is an absolutely valid interpretation. That's. And this is why I say possible interpretation. I thought of water reaches for water because I'm in this connection of deep cries out to deep. That the deep water cries out to even deeper water. But again, mine is not the only interpretation. And that's the amazing thing about who God is. They all have a point. They all have a place. They all are part of this massive picture. Absolutely. Don't ever be so strict that you think that your interpretation is the only right one yes again we're going to repeat it over and over and over and over and over and over and then we're going to repeat it again don't limit god so then i came to light the word light i wanted to know what is that what is that in reference to elohim said let there be light and there was light so what does light mean i looked that up strong's concordance number 216 uh it's literally pronounced or uh, like iron ore, or uh, or or and but and or o r, that's how it's pronounced. And it means illumination, like you'd think of as light, luminary in every sense, including lightning and happiness. I thought it was fascinating that it included that. It can mean bright, it can mean clear, it can mean morning, and it can mean the sun. Now the word picture here, aleph, vav. Resh. One of the possible interpretations from this is father and son. And I thought that was fascinating. Aleph, meaning the ox, strength of the leader. And Aleph uh, can refer to Yahweh God because it's the first, it's the one, uh, and it directly refers to Yahweh. Resh, meaning first person. Jesus is the first person. Uh, he's the, we've mentioned this before, he's the begotten son of God. He's the only begotten son of God. Uh, he's the firstborn of God, essentially. And vav meaning, can mean and. So literally, the word for light, one of the, one of the word pictures can mean father and son. In a creation sense, you know, God could literally be saying, let there be sons, let there be light. But Something else to consider here, again, going on the spiritual ramifications of the practical, physical examples. By God saying, let there be light, God is light. So he's literally saying, let there be me. Let there be my illumination on the universe and in your lives. I love that. I don't have much more to say other than I just love that image. God's saying, let there be me in your life. Yeah. Now, this also had a similar feeling to the creation of man. Because God forms man from the dust of the earth. Now, man exists at that point. He's formed man. But then he breathed into man. And man then became alive with the life of God. Now, I used to think of this as... God formed man, and you've just like got, you think of a clay statue. Like he's got the man there, but he's, but he's just a mannequin, so to speak. And then God breathed life into him, and, and Adam just sort of, <gasps> he breathes for the first time, and he starts to move, and he becomes awake. That's, that's the idea that I got from it. But the more I think about this, the more I think that 
I wonder if he created man and man was walking around and moving just like every other animal. Because the difference between mankind and every other animal is we have God in us. Every other animal don't. Every other animal is just a creation. We are birthed. We, we are sons. We are heirs of salvation. We are gods. Literally. We are gods. We're a piece of him. So I wonder if when he created man, if he wasn't, you know, that initial moment or, you know, as God creates him, he's looking around with his eyes. He's an animal. He's moving around. His heart is bumping. The, the blood is moving. And he's what we would think of as a living being, like a rabbit or a lion or what have you. But when God breathes his breath into him, that's when he becomes an heir of salvation. That's when he becomes a piece of God. And that's what I'm seeing here is God creates the universe. It says, let's go back. In the beginning, God Elohim created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was unformed and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. So I'm imagining the earth, the, the earth, the heaven, the universe is there. And then he says, let there be light. Wow. Yeah, you're making me think, rethink some things too here. I think that makes it even more special. You were an animal given to be like God. He literally breathed into you and you were now something different, something special. Right. I mean, he designed us in his own image, uh, but until he breathed into us, we were not his. We were just another thing, just another creation. And that's what I'm kind of seeing here too in let there be light. It existed, and then he said, let me be in it. I know, that's cool. <laughs> this was something that just, as I was reading, I was like, wow, that, that's amazing. That's an awesome picture right there. So again, going back to the spiritual sense of trying to find where did God say, this is a physical example, but there's a greater spiritual reality that in the Old Testament, before the Holy Spirit came in and dwelt within us, we could not understand. That's what we're trying to find here. That's what I'm trying to find here. And that's what I'm trying to share with you. Let there be an illumination let there be an awakening of the Spirit. So I want to go back and let's reread this whole thing based on what we already learned from our last Genesis study and, and this Genesis study. And let's retranslate Genesis 1, 1 through 3 in a personal spiritual sense. And, and again, I'm, I have this connection of deep cries out to deep and chaos calling out to the Word of God. Uh, so that's that's a personal bias of mine because that's what God's laying on my heart right now. You might be coming up with something different, which is totally awesome, and I hope you share it with us. But if we retranslate this entire, these three verses here, we can translate it as, for each one of us, there's a beginning. We are created as flesh and blood shells with the life and the spirit of God within each of us, but because of sin, there's desolation. There is emptiness. We are separated from the open hand reaching out to us. But Elohim is constantly hovering over us, wooing us, calling us. The water of the word reaching to our chaos. When God the... is wooing <laughs> for you. He's wooing for me. He's wooing for Scott. That Once again, just sorry. Yeah. I'm being blown away by that thought. Um, I mentioned it in uh, the second Revelation podcast that he literally has a nickname for you too. Like God is trying. He's wanting an yes. intimate relationship with us. Give it to him. I, from my own testimony, from my own experiences, I can tell you it's worth it. Oh, absolutely. It is so worth it. And And in fact, it goes on to define it as being worth it. Uh, again, interpreting these verses spiritually, when the chaos within us reaches back, Elohim replies, let there be illumination and our spirit awakens. Wow. So I hope you can start to see what I was talking about. If you did listen to my first, uh, our first, sorry, uh, 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 
Bible, general Bible study, uh, where I talk about that, you can start to see the practical applications and how rereading the Old Testament with this in mind can open up personal, intimate, spiritual realities for you. So let's move on. Genesis 1, 4 through 5. And Elohim saw the light, that it was good. And Elohim divided the light from the darkness. And Elohim called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning. One day. And I like this. Uh, One of the things that first jumps out at me here is what we were just talking about is, let's go back, and that word light. Light can be interpreted, uh, a word picture, as father and son. And darkness can be interpreted as destroyed by the separation from the open hand. The, the word itself means destruction, death, ignorance. He divided that. He divided the light from the darkness. Father and son on one side, death, destruction, and ignorance on the other. But one of the things I want to cover here really briefly, if any of you have ever heard of the gap theory, it takes place right here in in early Genesis, the gap theory says that a significant period of time may have happened between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up, I, I have thoughts on, I have no conclusions. I have ideas about uh, the creation of the world, uh, how long it took, that kind of thing, which we'll get into a little bit here. Uh, but I'm going to try my best not to come to conclusions because I don't have absolute conclusions and I don't want to present it as if I do. So I want to give thoughts that when we go over the evidence, I want to present what they may be talking about and and when possible, what they cannot be talking about, what what they're in opposition to if we're truly studying the word and letting God define himself. But the reason I bring it up here is because we see God divided the light from the darkness. Is it possible? Could this be a picture of God's banishment of Lucifer and his fallen angels? God divided the Father and the Son from ignorance, death, and destruction. Is it possible when he's saying here, he's making that division, is this the banishment of Lucifer? If so then Lucifer has to have already fallen by this time. So again, light being father and son, a a, a picture of father and son, darkness being death and destruction, light being illumination, darkness being ignorance. If Lucifer Lucifer has fallen at some point and taken on the title of Satan, for those of you who don't know, Satan's not a name. Satan is a title. It means the deceiver. In Hebrew, it's ha-satan. Ha literally just means the. Ha, Satan, the deceiver. Um, Lucifer is his name. Deceiver is the title given to him. God removes him from heaven. So is this a picture? So the reason I bring up the gap theory is because Lucifer had to have already fallen if this is a picture. But is this a picture of this division here? It's definitely intriguing to think about. Um, That being said, I think it's very important that we have an understanding of who the enemy is. That might have to be a topic conversation at some time, Scott. Go a little more into that. There's so much that could be topics (laughs) of conversation. So yeah, I (laughs) know. But I got, I just want to, I want to reel back in real quick here. And absolutely being a fatherless child, I'm not saying woe is me, woe is me. That's not what I'm saying here, but the, from your perspective, but my, from my perspective, the image uh, that you're presenting here of the father and son being protected, being separated from the darkness, from the enemy. To me, this is this is a little emotional. I mentioned it in my introduction, but it took me almost 30 years to realize I'm not a fatherless child. Yeah, I have a father in heaven. So the picture that you are painting here, father and son, it just is reassuring me that I am, you know, the son of the almighty God and he is with me, protecting me, keeping me separate from the darkness, from the enemy. 
that hit me pretty, pretty fierce right there, Scott. I, I appreciate that. All right. Well, cool. I'm glad um, uh, I could be the vessel for the Holy Spirit to <laughs> throw that at you. Uh, and, and for everyone listening, I, I hope you're getting something out of this. If it's not the same thing Brad's getting, uh, awesome. Uh, hope the Holy Spirit is reaching out to you too. So I'm going to go on with the next word that caught me, and that was day. I wanted to look up what is Elohim called the light day. Why did he name it this? What does that mean? Strong's Concordance number 3117. The word is yom, and it just means to be hot, the warm hours. Literally can be from sunrise to sunset, or it can be from sunset to sunset. Figuratively, it can be any space of time which would be defined by an associated term. And commonly, it also refers to a year, I found out. Now, the reason, one of the reasons I want to bring this out, well, it can also mean several other things that it pointed out, but I wanted to highlight these for now and, and move on because of what we're talking about as, as far as creation here. But the word picture, yod, vav, mem, uh, one of the possible interpretations that jumped out at me is working in order to add water. And I saw this as the day. The day is when we're meant to work. The day is, is the time given us to do activity uh, in a physical sense. Working to add water. And I saw that as just a picture of us in the day we've been given, before the day is over, working to add Jesus to as much as we can. Now, day is mentioned twice in here. Elohim called the light day, and then the evening and the morning make one day. So another thing I wanted to point out for the creationists, all the people uh, fighting over, you know, how long did was the earth created? How long did it take to create the universe? A day can be a 24-hour period, but we can't get caught up in the trap that it must be defined as a 24-hour period. Right in this verse, it defines it two ways. Evening, morning, there was one day. But in this very verse, it also says, he called the light day. And the light, as we go back, can mean many things, but as our word picture means father and son. So, He's literally saying the Father and Son are day. And that's not relegated to a time. So we have to be careful getting caught up on these things. I'm not, I'm going to get into this a little bit later about the timing. I'm not saying it can't be, but we have to be careful that we're not forcing it into something we demand instead of, again, letting God define it. Yeah, don't put God in the box. Don't put him in our little box. It can be so many things that we can't even comprehend yet because uh, as we've mentioned a couple times now god is outside of time yes so how he created time for us to understand and how he is outside of time that might just be something that we can't figure out right now as linear beings going about our day-to-day Okay, so the next word, obviously, if I did day for the one, I, I want to figure out what does night mean? And Strong's Concordance, number 3915, this is the word la yil. It can also be pronounced lael, and it can also be pronounced la yil a. So this has several different spellings, and but they all mean the same thing, night, which was fascinating to me. And I need to go deeper into this as find out what's going on. Uh, again, uh, why why so many variations on this? But but right now, properly, the definition is it's a twist. And I'm going to say this specifically the way they did. It's a twist, a way of the light. Now that's not a space way. That's a way. One word, A-W-A-Y. So the grammatical word, the grammatical structure here is confusing to me. I'm going to throw it to you the, exactly the way they say it. Properly, it's a twist away of the light. 
So I would have thought it should say away from the light or again, break that word up, a space way of the light. So I don't know what a way of the light is, but I'm being accurate and throwing it out there the way it's said because I don't want to make things up and just say, ah, it probably means this and move on. So I'm going to admit to all of you, I'm confused by that. So, and that's why I want to throw it out there because I'm looking for accuracy. Uh, when things confuse me, hey, I hope I get insight from all of you. Please uh, throw me your insight too. And this is Strong's Concordance defining it. Perhaps they're in error. Uh, but I want to be accurate with what's going on. Now, also in the the definition, for example, it can mean night. The the this word layil layil or layela. Figuratively, it means an it means adversity or a season of night. Now the word picture here, lamed yod lamed. So. Obviously, we see Lamed is repeated twice. One of the possible interpretations I came up with is goading into work in order to control. And I just like that night, uh, darkness, nighttime. When we have in the day, working to add water. Night, goading into work in order to control. I saw this day and night as an example of relationship versus religion. Relationship says, I love you and I want to be there for you. Uh, re religion says, you better work for me. I control you. I'm going to make you work so I can control who you are. The enemy uses the things that God has. He twists them around. So I'm seeing the parallel here too. Yes. God is the day. Satan is the night, and it's kind of just, maybe it's just a little irony thing, but people who are out at nighttime more often are out for nefarious purposes. People who, you know, yes. who walk the street at night most likely are doing professions that, you know, they're doing work that's not good, healthy, or right. Right. You know, so I don't know. I just saw an irony there, just kind of. Mm -hmm. No, that's true. Now... I also looked up evening and morning. And for the most part, they mean evening and morning. It's pretty clear. But uh, I did find something kind of cool here in the middle of this. Now, evening is Strong's Concordance, concordance number 6153, Ereb. And like I said, it can mean dusk, evening, night. Pretty straightforward. Morning is Strong's Concordance number 1242. Uh, it's, it's pronounced, hopefully, Boker or boker, not sure where the emphasis is. Properly, it means dawn. Generally, it can mean morning. It can also mean early or morrow, as in tomorrow. But now the word pictures here. Now, I'm just going to skip and give you my interpretations. We'll, we'll put the, the Hebrew up. Um, actually, let me give you the Hebrew letters just to make sure. Evening is ayin, resh, and bet. And morning uh, is bet, cough, and resh. And something I found interesting here, I came up with, for morning, I came up with a possible word picture, house of the first sun on the horizon. That's morning. That kind of paints a picture of morning. But evening, uh, my, again, possible interpretation, the experience of a person in the house. And just one little thing I noted there, is that the word picture of morning begins in the house and the word picture of evening ends in the house. I just thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I love these word pictures. So I personally didn't come up with anything overwhelmingly spectacular. I just thought that was a little thing that was kind of neat. Now, let's get into the physical... Uh, being representative of spiritual reality here. Uh, was the earth, the universe, the sun, all the stars, and man all created in six 24-hour periods? Very briefly. And the answer is, I don't know. Plain and simple. I don't know. Now, I don't believe that it's beyond God to have done that. But I also don't believe 
that it has to have been that way for it to have been of God. I just don't know. Remember, God exists outside of time, what Brad reminded you of before. Now, I remember a story that I heard a long time ago from uh, a story of someone who had gone to heaven. I don't know if he had died and come back. I don't know if he was taken in a vision. I don't remember the story, but I specifically remember this man meets Moses. So, Obviously, Moses, by our reckoning of time, has been dead for thousands of years. And he asks Moses, how long has he been there? And Moses replies, oh, about two days, a couple of days. I mean, this, this is what I'm talking about. It throws all concept of how long it took off by the way we judge time. We have to remember God exists outside of time. The universe, by our reckoning, could be a much different length of time than by God's reckoning. I simply don't know that. The Bible also says that never forget that to God a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. So some believe the universe was created in a six-day period. These, I, I, read, I researched what how many beliefs are there, uh, and this is what I got. Some believe it was created in a six-day period. Some believe the universe was created in an indeterminate amount of time and then the earth was created in a six-day period. Some believe the earth was created in a 6,000-year period. Some believe the earth, some believe the universe was created. Satan fell and wreaked havoc and destruction upon the earth. When he's banished to heaven, he's limited to the earth. He's basically sent to the planet and said, this is your trap, this is your prison. And then he, in his fury and his rage, he wreaks havoc and destruction upon the earth, and then God repaired the earth in six days. Others believe the universe and the earth were created in six ages that are represented by the word days. I can't solve this problem here, but more than that, I don't necessarily want to. And this is what I mean by that. This is the kind of thing to me, again, to me, I want to emphasize, I am not speaking the holy words of God on high. He didn't come to me in a vision yesterday and say, speak this to the people. This is me. This is my personal conviction speaking here. This is the kind of thing to me is not necessarily wisdom to chase after the answer to. Because once we're in heaven, we've met the Lord face to face. It's going to be revealed. And how does the answer to that question help me today in my walk with God? Now, to some of you, it might, and I'm not going to argue with you if you say it does. But to me, I personally feel that this only adds superficial knowledge rather than intimate personal knowledge that can help you not just know about him, but actually know him. To me, it feels trivial rather than important. And most likely, whatever theory or idea we come up, it's still going to be better when we get it from the source. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be bigger and more overwhelming than we could have even thought of. And that's one of the things. I believe when we get there and we see how it happened, we're going to be so in such awe and so amazed by all of it. Uh, that's going to be part of the cool thing about, about being there and seeing him. But I also want to accept that maybe all of this is just me. And I do not want to sound like I'm judging you if you are seeking the absolute final answer to this question. I've come to the conclusion that no matter the timing, Yahweh's the one who did it. And isn't that what really matters? Amen. I just want to throw that out there that I am not attempting to come to any conclusion on the timing of the thing through this. However, as some verses may come up, I may shed some light on this seems to indicate it can't be that way at least and so on and so forth. I think I'm going to give I'm going to go on one more spot here and end it with Genesis 1 6 through 8 because this is a pretty brief one. And Elohim said, "Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters." And Elohim made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And Elohim called the firmament heaven. And there was evening, and there was morning, a second day. Now, I've heard it said before that heaven is wherever God is. So at the moment he's doing this, sin through man is not on the earth. 
Now, Satan might be, and there could be sin in that sense. And there is a division from, from, as we've talked about before, possible division from Satan and his fallen angels here and the darkness created by them. But man has not entered into creation yet, and sin has not entered through man. So wherever God is, that is heaven. And at this point, God's on the earth too. I, the reason I bring this up is to say, I believe we could have heaven on earth. And I believe we will, essentially, when he wipes out all of sin and makes everything perfect. I don't believe heaven and earth physically, again, the physical separation of the heaven, the, uh, the sky above and all that, and the earth, the land below, it's a, a physical example. But I believe heaven is truly wherever God is. And, and just, again, seeing that here, God's standing on the earth, God's creating, God's doing whatever, that is where heaven is, ultimately. Now there is, again, a physical location spoken of here to help us understand what's going on. Now, I looked up firmament, because that seemed important to me. Strong's Concordance, number 7549, rakia, and expanse. And I like the way it says it. In the definition, it says an expanse. In other words, a firmament. I was like, okay, <laughs> all right, works for me. But um, it also means the visible arch of the sky. So when you look up into the sky, what can you see? That's the firmament. Uh, so it's the sky, the clouds, the blue sky, but it's also the stars, everything you can see out there. Now the word picture here, resh, kof, Yod, Ayin, a possible interpretation for me, as far as creation goes, um, I liked this, Adam fell behind, so now must work in order to experience God. But when we go back to the telling the end from the beginning idea, we can get a possible word interpretation of this as Jesus, as time draws to an end, completes the work that opens our eyes and allows us to see. Wow. Both very true. Now, the thing, the reason I really like that is because we're going to get into it later as we get into signs and seasons, but it talks about God put the stars in the heavens as signs to us. He put them in the firmament that we can see. And here in our word picture, we have Jesus, as time draws to an end, completes the work that opens our eyes, allows us to see. I like, I just, I like that word picture there in the connection with God placing everything in the firmament. He, he literally tells his story, if we can understand it, in the stars themselves. It's something we've lost over time and something we're going to get into a little bit here um, as we go on in Genesis and, and other things as we talk about. But I'm not, I, I haven't dove too deep into this. Uh, I, I mean, I, I could definitely go deeper. Let's just say that. I'm not, a, I'm not perfect on it. We'll mention some of that in Revelation study, too. Absolutely. Because um, there is, um, chapter 12, there is some mm -hmm. things in there that I'll want to try to point out to the best of my ability. Um, right. But they, they do kind of talk about the stars and, and what they represent a little bit. So we'll get there in Revelation as well. So then the next word I looked at was divide. Now, uh, divide, according to Strong's Concordance, number 914, this is a word, badal. It means to divide. Simple as that. Uh, but it can mean literally or figuratively. To separate, to distinguish, differ. It can also mean select. So like you're choosing. I, I select this one. I'm dividing it from the others. I select this one in particular. Now the word picture here is bet, dalet, lamed. And the possible interpretation is the door to the house is controlled. So the door that allows you to go in or out, it's divide, it is controlled. Uh, and there's a separation, what's inside and what's outside by implication. So firmament can mean what we think of as, as the sky and all that. But remember, let's go back to waters being the dual of a singular noun. And this talking about, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide waters from waters. And 
we're separated from the cosmos. So, I mean, think about that as the water, the firmament, the sky above us, everything we can see separating us, the waters that are here separating us from the waters out there in the universe. Uh, But, again, let's go back to a personal spiritual understanding. There is a separation from the deeper waters of God. We have been given obvious, clear waters uh, to help us. Grace has given us an obvious surface level understanding, easy waters for us to reach. But he's always calling us to go deeper still. And we've been talking about the deep as referring to the depths of the ocean. But imagine deep as the depths of creation in the cosmos. I mean, how how deep can he go? That it it continually blows my mind. Because I was thinking of that as, wow, we need to think about deep as not just reaching into a barrel of water, and that's that's really deep. We need to think about deep as the depth of the ocean. But here he's talking about dividing waters from the waters, and he's crawling out our depth right here. Okay, we've hit oceanic depths, and we think we've made it, and then we look into the universe, and we see how deep does that go. That's blowing my mind. How many nights have I, I, I love looking at the sky. How many nights have I stood there looking up into the universe and thinking, how small and insignificant am I? It is so deep. All right. So with that, unless you have anything else you'd like to add, Brad? No, I think that's a good stopping point. Okay. I'm going to end that, our second Genesis podcast. I'm really hoping you guys are getting a lot out of this. And and if you're not getting anything specific out of this, at least I hope you're getting inspiration to keep chasing yourself. I know a lot of times I have just appreciated pastors and, and teachers who have shared things that I feel I've already known about. But it's just encouraging to know that other people are on this too. I didn't get any new information, but I got reinforcement and and... And, and help along the way, even that. So some of you, if you're like, yeah, already been there, done that, I know what you're talking about. I hope this is still an encouragement to you to keep going deeper. And as always, this is Scott. This is Brad. And this has been Not About Us.